so glad I got to share my life story real quick with you guys. How you guys doing this morning? I have to do this every time with you guys. So when I ask the kids how they're doing, they like bounce off the walls and I have to contain them. So when I ask how you guys are doing, it's a good, it's it's a killer for me. So I'm going to ask again, how are you guys doing this morning? So much better. So much better. Now, um, Pastor Christopher, Pastor Kyle, and myself, we get the joy today and privilege of talking to everyone in here um, on Father's Day. And we're going to share three different points of being a father and how it's related to us, what we can see in Scripture of God the Father, and we all get to share a different point with you. Um, but I wanted to make something clear also before we get started. If you're a mom in here or a single mom or you're also just involved in raising your child, don't feel like we're not talking to you. Everything that we say, everything that we go over are all things that you can very much apply to your families and your children as well because we know moms are, we're the moms in the house too. Just wanna, yeah, you are also very important. Don't let the dad say otherwise. So everything we say today, we're going to be talking about a father's perspective, but you can very much apply it to your family as well. Now, today we're going to touch on affirmation, acceptance, and love. And I get to talk to you guys about affirmation and how I wish my dad affirmed me. Sorry, dad. Just kidding. Just kidding. Very much the opposite. But before I, before I get into scripture, I wanted to share with you guys um, the thing that you know has rocked my world the most. Nothing, when I think about one of the greatest memories in my life, has changed me, something that's changed me has been being, becoming a father. Now, I remember coming home from church one night. My wife had been telling me that she was, you know, she was having stomach pains and, you know, not feeling so good. And I was like, well, are you pregnant? She said, no, no, I'm not pregnant. I was like, okay. And didn't think much of it. I told her to take a test. She said no. I said, okay, no problem. And just left it at that. <laughs> but I came home from church one night. And I, I think it was a Sea Games or something else. But either way, it was late. And I got home, and I remember walking in, and she's sitting on the couch, just a somber look on her face. And I said, what's wrong? She goes, go look in the bathroom. I thought I had not flushed the toilet. I thought I did, I thought I did something wrong. Like, I was totally ready for, oh, how did I mess up? And I walked in there, and I saw the pregnancy test sitting on the, the sink. And being, you know, the doofus I am, I was like, huh? You know, looking at it. And then I, then I look at the box. And I look at the test, look at the box, and I'm like, oh, wow! And I, I ran out, and I'm bouncing off the walls, and she's looking at me like, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> and and I, I'm like, can we call my dad? Can we call my mom? And she was like, no, we can't call anyone. But I was going crazy. And then we shared that joy together, and it was just, it was so amazing. I actually went out and bought another pregnancy test that it said yes or no, because I was like, I'm not playing this, this line-matching game. I'm going to know. And, uh. Yeah, and so it was, it was awesome. One of the happiest moments of my life, finding out I was going to be a daddy. Now, being a dad has been great. Um, those of you who have seen you know, my little daughter, Aurora, she's just, she's just such a blessing. Roro, as we call her. <laughs> she's such a blessing. And nothing has rocked my world more than seeing her grow and loving her as much. Now, those of you who have kids know also, there are moments where I just want to go, Stephanie, she's yours. I'm done. She is, she is your daughter, and I'm done for the day. But for the most part, I mean, she's just she's a wonderful child. I know that no matter what, when I look into her eyes, I want to be there for her. When I look into her eyes, I want, to, I want to see her grow. I want to raise her. I want to instill confidence in her. I want her to know that she is a beautiful young woman of God. And I want to see her grow to be that beautiful young woman of God. And I want to affirm her in her goals. I want to affirm her in her dreams and help her get those. And so today, that's what I get to talk about is the affirmation of a father. Now, the dictionary defines affirmation as something stated positively, a positive assertion the act of validating or confirming. That's a great word when you think about it, isn't it? Just one word can do so much for somebody when you affirm someone on what they're doing. God models a great affirmation for us with Jesus. Now, we've been going through Mark, so if you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 1, 
I know this is backwards now because we've been going forward in Mark, but now we're going all the way back to the beginning. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Now, John the Baptist had been preparing people for Jesus. And Mark starts, as we talked about with Pastor Terry, uh, Mark starts and gets right to the point. John the Baptist is baptizing people. Jesus comes right in. And verses 9 through 11 say this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit ascending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You see, Jesus was 30 years old here. His ministry hadn't even started yet. This was his act of opening up his three-year ministry before he was to be crucified. But I love how this is phrased. Jesus hasn't started yet, and God pours affirmation on his life. He says, I am, you are my son in who I am well pleased. Now, we don't know exactly what Jesus did for the first 30 years, there's one short snippet in the Bible that says Mary and Joseph didn't know where he was, and then they found him in the temple, and he was like, of course I'm at my father's house. Where do you guys think I would be? I would give a, I don't know how I'd punish her if she ran away and I had to find her somewhere else. That would just be crazy in my mind. But Jesus was at the father's temple. That's really the only childhood segment of Jesus that we get. And then 30 years later, he's ready to start. And before he does, God affirms him. God says, I am pleased with you. God declares it loud. He says, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. This is not God telling the whole wide world, hey, everyone, come over here and look at my boy, which as dads, you know, my dad would do that to me a lot too, which was awesome. Look what my son did. Look what my son did. God makes this a very personal moment between him and his son. He says, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. That's the confirmation that starts to build confidence in your heart, the confirmation that gets you ready, you know, that feeling, I can go do this. I can go take this on because I know my dad is with me. My dad is right there. He's giving me the strength I need. And God gives that to Jesus before he even starts. So a good father will do this, will affirm his children. I look back at my life and I think of all these different times where I got to have my dad affirm me. Now, if you know, um, if you know my family, I have my dad and I have my stepdad. Both of them have been very positive, awesome role models in my life. Now, my, my dad, uh, Jim Warford, sorry to call you out like that. Uh, a lot of you, if you know him, you'll know him, though. He is um, incredible, loving, hardworking, funny, sensitive. I will humiliate you. I will embarrass you every opportunity I have in my entire life. And that's what he did to us growing up. He lived to embarrass us. So much so that really nothing embarrasses me now. I'll do something dumb, and people are like, oh, I'm like, yep, I did it. It was me, because he did it so much when I was young that it just doesn't matter anymore. But when I think of being affirmed, I can look at my dad's. I can think, wow, they poured their lives into me. They affirmed me so much growing up. When sports were the biggest things in my life, I played baseball and I played football. One of my dads, actually, when I started to play baseball, he would go to work, he'd come home, he'd take me to practice, he'd stay at practice. He started coaching the team. He would do all those things with me with baseball. He, he bought me quiz cards, like I played first and third base. So the ball's hit to you, what do you do? He just, he just spent so much time teaching me how to play baseball. And I loved that. And then my other dad, I started playing football. He was at every football practice. He, was at every, he became one of the football coaches. And he was to ask us this. We'd, we'd turn on games, and we'd watch games. We'd analyze things. They just poured into what we were doing. And they constantly affirmed our desire to continually play sports. And they fed into it, and they played it with us. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And uh, my, my dad that played baseball with me, man, he would throw balls at me, and I loved it, even though I knew that there was no other nine-year-old in the world that was going to throw a curveball that fast directly at my face. He was getting me ready for the big leagues. Right? He was just affirming in me that I could do it. Those were the good times. There were also the hard times. 
I have two brothers that passed away when I was in elementary school. Those were the hardest times of my life. Those were the hardest times of my parents' life. Now, I know that when they passed away, though, as hard as it was for my dad, I saw his struggles. I saw how hard it was for him to even talk to God in those moments because of the loss that we had just felt. And we lost him just a few months apart. He still affirmed me. He still played sports with me. He still loved me. He still prayed for me. He never let his personal struggle hinder the growth that he was instilling and how he affirmed me as his child and the choice I was going to go through. There came a time in my life where I gave up baseball to go into ministry. I shared that in one of the last times I got to talk to you guys. I decided sports wasn't for me. I, God really, really called me into being a pastor. Believe it or not, I actually um, really feared this conversation with my dad. I mean, I knew he was going to like that I was a pastor, but we had spent money and hours and years of baseball, and I was, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to go pro, as you know, we all do when we're playing sports. And I had to tell him now that just like that, I was done. I was going to go this route instead. And when I talked to him, the first thing he did is he said, all right, son, let's go get you a really cool study Bible. Let's go get you a new devotional book that you can work through. Let me show you how we can start working down devotions. Have you talked to Pastor Terry yet? How can you get involved in the church? Go talk to your youth pastor, Steve. He started bringing me all these. It wasn't just a, all right, well, what are we going to do? It's a, let's go full-blown into it. And he said, I'm so proud of this decision you're making and that you're making it right now. And I was just, from that moment, I hadn't even started training to be a pastor yet. It was that moment I was like, wow, this is what God did for Jesus. Before Jesus even started his ministry, God affirmed him. Before I even started, really, I, it was just a thought. I was like, God, I think Dad wants me in ministry. I'm sorry, Dad, I think God wants me in ministry. <laughs> yes, my dad did proclaim to be God when I was little. But those moments, he affirmed me before I started, and I was so confident going in that I was going to have all the support I needed because of my dad. Now, I know that not all people have a mom or dad that will affirm them in their life, but that's when we get to turn to God. You see... What we do in our life, others can't define you. God has already defined you. God already loves you. God's affirmation in your life is his confirmation in who you are in your life. Now, some parents, again, you don't have people, you don't have the um, parents that will confirm you or affirm you. And that can drive so many big wedges between families. You know, we hear stories of dads who their son isn't going to fall in their footsteps and they just totally cut them off from the family. And that, man, that's not modeling a, a godly love at all. You know, I want to be that dad that affirms the way that God affirmed Jesus, the way that God affirmed and built confidence in Jesus' heart. I want to do that. I'm glad I didn't follow my dad's business, because if you know me, you know I'm not construction savvy at all. I know Terry, I, I maybe got one up on Terry, maybe just a little bit, because he tells stories about not swinging a hammer. I can do that, not guaranteeing I'm going to hit what I'm aiming at, but I can swing the thing. But more than anything, I know the path I've chosen, my earthly fathers have confirmed me, and my heavenly father has has affirmed me in what I'm doing. My dad modeled to me what God modeled to Jesus. You are my son, and with you I am well pleased. More than anything, I want to affirm that into my daughter. I want to be the parent that says, I affirm you, Aurora. No matter what choice you're going to do, I'm going to help you find your dreams. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to let her know that she knows that before she even gets started. Because I want to affirm her the way God affirms all of us. Now, another thing that we're going to talk about today is how God accepts us, and Pastor Christopher is going to come up and share the accepting trait of God and Jesus in our lives. Not only do we see God affirming Jesus in that moment, and uh, you can say that the thing that I'm going to talk about, acceptance, is the same thing as affirming, but it's, it's uh, a built-on aspect, not the same as, because he doesn't just say, you my beloved son, 
He's telling Jesus, I love you. He's making sure the people know that are at Jesus' baptism, I love you. But he also says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And though that's affirming, it's affirming because it shows that the father accepts his son in front of everyone. That his stamp of approval is on Jesus. That he says, I accept him. And the Greek word for accept, we think probably, you know, like he just welcomed him him in, you know, he loves them, but it literally means that he finds his delight in him. His, his treasure, his joy is found in his son. And as a new father, uh, I feel that with my daughter, that, that I am delighted in my daughter. Before she's ever done anything, before she ever said any words, before she ever took her first steps, before she ever puked on the carpet, I loved my daughter. And I found delight in her. I accepted her. I was pleased with her. This is what God is communicating, that he is pleased with Jesus. And like Pastor Dustin said, it was before he ever did anything that he was supposed to accomplish. Now, we know he did stuff in those 30 years. He was training um, and being a rabbi, a teacher. But this is before he did what he was supposed to do. Save us, die, give us his life, do miracles, get followers and and before that, he wanted everyone to know he accepted him. Because we think that acceptance comes after you do X, Y, and Z to the person that's supposed to accept you, right? In, in, in school, you get accepted into something when you do a certain amount of things and meet the requirements. But for the father, his acceptance was before the requirements were met. Because all that was required to accept him was that he was his son. And, and that's why as a father, or maybe as a mother, you, you had this this bubbling joy and delight and love and acceptance for your children just because they are your children for no other reason i mean really summer hasn't done much for me she's not making me breakfast she's not cleaning up the house she's not doing anything that i want her to do right now and i'm communicating that very clearly to her she's just not getting it but i love her and i accept her and my delight is in her because it's based off of who she is to me, not what she does for me. And as a father or mother, you, you, you are encouraged by this, hopefully, to do that, to communicate that to them. But I want you to get this really quick before we talk about a little bit how to do this with your children. Because this is so important. I know for myself that's, that you have to understand how God accepts you before you really get that acceptance for your children. I mean, you can have acceptance and love them, but your love, acceptance, your, your affirmation, your, your, your pride in them grows and elevates when you understand how much God as a father accepts and loves you. So just as he does that for Jesus and he's all out, he actually communicates this twice. In the beginning of his ministry and at the end when Jesus is getting transfigured on the mountain, he says it twice. So he is communicating it to Jesus. But just as God accepts and delights in Jesus, he accepts you and delights in us. Ephesians 1, 6 says that, that we are accepted in the beloved. The beloved, again in this verse, is Jesus. We are accepted in Jesus. And I hope this kind of rocks your mind and blows your mind a little bit. It has to. Because we, and we know, and Pastor Crowley talked about it, we're riddled with sin, with doubt. If you know the story of the prodigal son, Pastor Terry has mentioned it and taught on it a few times. We have, literally our picture is turning our back and running away from the Father. And, and, and all of us, whether you love Jesus or not, we have before kind of given God a stiff arm and turned our back on God. 
But no matter how much dirt we got into and how much mess we made, he accepts us because of Jesus. Like we're accepted, pleased, God is pleased at us and in us. And all the delight that he has for Jesus, and he has so much, an infinite amount of delight he has for you if you are in Jesus. And when you think you do so good that he should be pleased with you, it's not because of that. And when you think you do so bad that he shouldn't be pleased with you, it's not because of that. It's because of Jesus that you are accepted and pleased. So whether you do really good, really bad, his love is consistent towards you. And that stabilizes us. That encourages, that motivates us. It is amazing that the love that God has for his son, he has for us. Charles Spurgeon, my, uh, one of my favorite dead preachers, he said this. Uh, I, I, I tend to like dead pastors better than new ones sometimes. They have a lot of good stuff to say. Except for Pastor Terry, I don't wish he dies or anything. You know. Let's get that off the recording. Uh, he says this, therefore the father accepts you because he cannot disassociate you from his son, nor his son from you. I love this. Spurgeon says, when he thinks of Jesus, he cannot help but think of you. And when he thinks of you, he cannot help but think of Jesus. That's so good. When God the Father thinks of you, he cannot help but think of his perfect son. And when God the Father thinks of his perfect son, he cannot help but think of you, us who are in Jesus. We're pleased. Or God is pleased with us. We are secure. We are his joy. The Bible says over and over again, we are his treasure, the apple of his eye. We are treasured by the Father. And when you know that you are accepted, it does something. And this is what I've learned from my father, my parents, and just doing it and, and seeing Pastor Terry and, and all these men around me do this to me, for me. That when you know you're accepted, it really deals a death blow to performing, right? You don't have to strive to look good on the outside. When you know someone is pleased with you, it, it gives them rest. It, it, it gave me a breath of fresh air when I knew that God was pleased with me. Because I no longer have to strive tirelessly to look good, to, to, to manage my image, to do a whole bunch of good things so God is happy with me. I know he's happy with me. I know he's pleased with me. And that does something to someone's heart when they know that they are approved of. Before they ever do or when they do mess up, God is pleased with us. And I, I hope that you would not make your children guess that they are accepted in your eyes. Because the Father, even though Jesus was perfect, the Father communicated this over and over again to Jesus. And if the Father did this to Jesus, I think we should probably communicate it over and over again to our children. That we are, ex we are accepting of them. We approve of them. Not because of the accomplishments, but because of who they are in relation to us. That we love them. That they're safe with us. That we delight in them. So they don't have to go left or right trying to figure out how to get on our good side. They are on our good side. Even though we think, well, if you're accepted, then we just accept you as you are, where you are, and we don't want you to move anywhere, you know, you're, just, you're, you're, you're there. That's not true. Acceptance does not nullify responsibility. And this is what's beautiful about the Father. We all know because of Jesus, if you trust in Jesus, you're accepted. He, he accepts you into his family. You are a son and daughter of God's family. But that doesn't keep us from doing good or saying, oh, cool, I'm accepted. That's, I'm, I'm good. I'm getting into heaven. If you truly believe in Jesus and you know you're accepted by the Father, that fuels you, right? You want to do good for God. You want to grow. You, wanna, you are motivated to do more because you know how much he loves you. And because you know he loves you before you ever did anything, that motivates you to please him. 
that motivates you to honor him. Not because of what they do or don't do and not because of Jesus did anything special. I remember this story. Uh, my, my, my dad was always there for me. He, he was there at all the basketball games when I sat on the bench the whole time. He was there at practices. Uh, he was there always, even though he worked tremendously. Um, and I appreciate that because I know how hard it is to work full-time and be there for your family. And, uh, but I remember this one time when we were up at college. Uh, and we were about to, uh, the parents just dropped me off. They were about to leave. Um, my first week before I even started the classes, we're unpacking our bags into my dorm and get everything packed in. My parents are in their cars. My mom is, my sisters, whoever drove with us. And my dad comes out. It's pouring rain. We're under the tailgate. I remember like it's yesterday. Uh, and if I cry, just hit me. Um, uh, and, and we're underneath there. And he turns around with tears in his eyes, gives me a hug and says, I'm proud of you. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot to some people. Like, my dad has said, I'm proud of you before. But at that moment, especially knowing the reaction when I told them I was going to Bible college, you know, Pastor Dustin, they're like, let's buy you a study Bible. My mom and dad, they're like, what the beep? <laughs> no joke. No joke. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, yeah. They were, they're like, you're going to what? You're not going to make any money, son. I'm not joking. And so, and I know they loved me then, but I felt kind of like, oh, well, uh, I still want to go. And I knew they were behind me. But when I got to the point when I was up there and, and literally about to step into this whole new adventure, he turns around and says, I'm proud of you. And I know he, he was pleased with me before I ever took my first college class. He ex- I knew he accepted me. That, that fueled me to do good. That motivated me because I know that no matter what I did, and even though I messed up and I didn't mess up in the future, he was okay because he loved me for who I was in his life. And as a son, I needed that. And as your children, or you maybe are children of someone, and you have children, mom, whatever, you need to communicate that over and over again. You cannot say that enough. You cannot show that enough. And I want my daughter to know that from the start, I am pleased with her. That she knows that so much, so no matter what she does, she knows she's approved of, she's accepted. I, I find joy in her, and she can go on and fail and fall flat on her face, and I'm there for her because I'm proud with her, proud of her. And I, I love her so much that I will never let her go from the idea and reality. Amen? Why don't you watch this video right up here? That was cool. I'm going to ask for you guys' patience. I am easily the most inexperienced pastor here. And uh, if I'm not very careful, I can fall prey to some very powerful emotions on Father's Day. Um, I'm talking about love in this next few minutes. And love has always been a little bit of a deficit in my life. Love has always been kind of that intangible, almost sometimes inaccessible thing that seems to have escaped me in some ways, and I'm sure in your lives it's escaped you sometimes. As I sat here and listened uh, to my fellow pastors talk, man, I was spinning in some deep emotion, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys in this room who could probably affirm and understand that. I'm sure there's a lot of daughters in this room who lacked a father who can understand that. And I'm sure there's a lot of wives in this room 
who lost a husband who can understand that. And so I just want to talk about love and the importance of letting love be the charge of our lives and, and the fundamental thing that we operate from, not only as fathers, spouses, uh, parents, and brothers, and sisters, and sons, and daughters, but as the followers of Jesus. Have you noticed that every conflict in life seems to be directly related to this deficit of love. I grew up in this household where it it was like fights erupted in an instant. And it seemed to me that all I needed to do was accumulate the greatest level of love I could, and I I could avoid those conflicts. The storm might rage, rage around me, but... I realized that if I could love and forgive the people around me, then I wouldn't have to be the one who came back and apologized later and said, well, I'm really sorry I said that. So in my life, that has served me really, really well. I've kind of come up with this philosophy, and my wife now, who is six months pregnant, is, is, I know, it's really cool, right? My (laughs) wife, thank you, thank you. My wife, who's six months pregnant, can kind of affirm that one of the things we do in the Logan household is we say, we boil everything down and we say this, all it comes down to is how much I'm willing to love and serve you. That determines whether or not the fight gets nasty. It doesn't stop fights. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always stop fights. But it stops them before they get bad, because conflict can be good. It stops them before hurtful words come out. Because when the fight no longer serves us to move us forward as a couple, then we no longer serve the fight, and we let that stand. I have just seen that love invokes incredible service in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. When I first got married, this is a story I didn't intend to tell. When I first got married, um, Tawny was working at this bakery, and she was the lead uh, pastry chef, and she had to go in at like sometimes three or four in the morning to start making for the day hundreds and hundreds of scones that would go out all throughout the morning. I had a, 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 a producer that I was recording with uh, the following morning, and one, one evening she goes, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I do not know how I'm going to do this. And I said, I had, a, I had to be at the studio at 8 a.m., and I said, okay, I'm going in with you. We're going to go in tonight, and we're going to make it. We're going to do it all together. And it didn't matter to me that I might be hoarse the next day, tired, beat up, maybe bruised and broken from all these tools I didn't know how to use and mixing and all this stuff, uh, it mattered to me that my wife understood and remembered perhaps 30, 40 years later that I was willing to sacrifice something that could potentially be very, very important for me for the betterment of our family and to help her succeed. I think there's a lot of men in this church who are really good at serving. And as a matter of fact, I've been so impressed since I've come here by seeing the men who step up. And I want to honor you this morning. I want to honor the fact that I see you serving on the regular basis of of my service here. And, And I am so encouraged by that. I just want to encourage you in that because it's the love in us that causes us to serve. It's kind of funny that the Trinity displays all these different aspects of God. You know, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The really, really cool thing is that Jesus knew that God accepted him. Jesus knew that God affirmed him. He was all-knowing. And yet it was very, very important that God still did it. This public display of affection. This is my son, my beloved son. 
I was in LA, I told you this, and uh, I had this mentor, and I hope he doesn't listen to this, because it's a little bit personal, but <clears throat> you guys all know I came from a family with no dad. As a matter of fact, my dad even committed suicide uh, my first year in ministry, and it was a very, very tough time. But I had this mentor who God gave to me to make up that love deficit. And he was born of a Chinese family. So he's this Chinese guy. And for those of you who know a little bit about Eastern culture, they're kind of straight-faced, straight-laced. They don't really get real emotional. And it was years of us hanging out before he ever said, and he didn't make eye contact. He goes, I love you. And you know what? It was the most meaningful thing in the world, and I just said, I love you too, and then we continued breakfast. But I learned later on that his father hadn't told him that he loved him until he was 50 years old. And that God had done an amazing work in bringing us to each other so that I could love and affirm him as a son, and that he could ultimately love and affirm me as a father. This is my beloved son. It's so cool. I was down there in L.A., and uh, he happened to, out of the blue, shoot me some affirmation. This affirmation was born of his love for me. He just turned to me as we were looking at cards, and he said, uh, I want to let you know you're going to be a great father, and I'm so proud of you. You've passed me up, and I'm, I'm so impressed. And it was unusual because, like I said, we, we love each other, but we don't go crazy with it. We're guys, and, 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 and then he later told me that his father had called him and said, you got everything together? And he said, yes, and his father said, okay, which in Chinese culture effectively means, I trust you, I love you, and I affirm you as a man. For the rest of the day, because of that one conversation with his father, he continued to love on me. There was two or three times where he was like, can I just tell you again? I'm so proud of you. I was like, stop. Stop it. This is hard enough. It's hard enough. Father's Day is so strange for me. You know, I, I didn't have my real dad, but I had this amazing godly father who, who loved me and who I could trust, and then he gave me supplemental fathers, and now I'm going to be a father. And I'm just on fire with the, the desire to love my kids right. When Jesus talks to his disciples, one in particular, he doesn't ask, do you fear me? Do you trust me? Am I God? His main purpose in, in one of his biggest questions was, do you love me? I find it interesting that the next statement is, then feed my sheep. See, God is asking in Jesus, he's asking his disciples, do you love me? Because if you love me, then service is not the issue. See, these guys, they would do stuff for Jesus. They, they were crazy about him. They were his disciples. But God understands that it is not fear or shame that drives us to follow him. The most powerful glue of the universe is his love. And God gives us his love. And in his love, we can love others. And through his love, we can find the desire to love what he loves and hate what he hates. When, when I said I was in L.A., and I don't want to take too long here. When I said I was in L.A., two very, very hard things happened. As I walked home from the market, I came across some writing on the sidewalk, and it said, your heart can sing again. And I thought to myself, oh, man, this is a word from God for me, because I was feeling all these different things, and 
my emotions were a little, little rough on the inside. And I thought, this is, this is God loving me. And it was, but it also was something else. There was something else going on because as I walked further up the pavement, I saw written in two different colors of chalk. There was someone had written in blue, said, I should kill myself. And this person who had written, your heart can sing again, only 10 feet back, responded to this person and wrote, don't give up, we are here with you. I continued further, and there was another one that said, nobody loves me. And this person had written in their green chalk, there are those who are with you, give us a chance. I suddenly realized that these two people had to be connected. This was not just some very, very distraught individual who wrote on a sidewalk and then somebody else coincidentally passing by who also happened to have chalk decided to write a counter message. <laughs> right? This was not a random act of kindness. This was a choice. This was probably a mother or father who knew their discouraged, disparaged child was out there reaching for help, looking for love. And you know what they did? They went out. And they wrote a counter message of love, of joy, and of hope. I was astounded at this because what was initially a word from God for my heart became an illustration of how God's love in us motivates us to love others, our children and those around us. Another thing happened as I was there in L.A., I was in my bedroom, my old bedroom, and this conflict erupted next door and this man was screaming screaming and you didn't hear the other person which obviously tells you that they were either a child or a spouse or a family member just being berated my heart broke I sat there in this room on this bed and I just thought God please I walked outside and you know my stepfather and I considered calling the cops, and ultimately it, the conflict ceased before we could really do much. But I realized that in truth, we all have what I have inside. You guys share this pain. You guys share this understanding. And I'm sure you can see how my life perhaps could motivate me to be hateful, hurtful, and spiteful to those around me, my family, my future children. And yet it hasn't. Why? Because I've received God's love, it renews. I thought about this and I thought, I'm so thankful that even though there is the potential in me to be hurtful and sinful, the love in me outweighs that and I can choose, choose to love people the way God has loved me. Fathers, I just want to encourage you, if you're like me, maybe you had a bad dad, you don't got to repeat that. You don't have to repeat any of that. It's hard sometimes to even think of God as a father for those of us who grew up without dads. But there's something so profound in saying, I have a heavenly father. He knows my name. And because he loves me so, I can love in ways that I would never have learned without it. So fathers and families, I want to give you a charge this morning. I know that these guys did an excellent job. I wish I could have made you laugh a little bit more because they did great at that. And I know I tend to kind of, I'm a little on the heavier side of things sometimes, but not without merit, I feel, that we discuss these deep, heartfelt things. I just want to give you a charge this morning. For you lovers, you sons and daughters of God, 
especially you fathers right now, let the love of Christ change everything in your life. Let it renew you, give you purpose. And when you read the Bible and when you study the relationship that God and Jesus had, find in those moments where God affirms, accepts, and loves his son and repeat them in your life. Oh my goodness. I told you about my mentor. One word of affirmation from his father and he was gushing over me the rest of the day. Imagine the change in your family one word of affirmation could bring. Affirmation born of love. Acceptance born of love. All of these things, trademark characteristics of the God who's made us and is ever making us into the image of his son. Let's be a people who loves. Because love is fun, but it's not a game. And love is hard, but it's not a chore. Like a board game, we can't just put love away and let it gather dust. Love is active, and sometimes love is getting up and getting your wife cake in the middle of the night. (laughs) Middle of the night. (laughs) Thank you, luckies. I just want to bless you as we close in prayer this morning. I want to honor the love that you have in your life, and I want to encourage you to water it, to grow it, nurture it, and let it blossom all over your families and in the lives of those around you. 